Welcome to the Danish National Biobank podcast. We've been gone for quite a while due to the coronavirus pandemic. We return now, however, to give you this special series. With speaks from our co-hosted symposium, Scaling Omics Approaches to Population Size. This is Tina Yes from Staten Serum Institute. On the topic, molecular prediction of inflammatory bowel disease. It's a pleasure to be here, real life, and see people real life. And uh, is this ready or... And to tell you about uh, PREDICT, uh, my coming center for molecular prediction of inflammatory bowel disease. Inflammatory bowel disease, these are chronic conditions that can actually affect people from young childhood till late in life, but most people are diagnosed when they are in their early adulthood. This is chronic diseases, they cannot be cured. Uh, the symptoms are diarrhea and bleeding, fatigue. Sometimes you wouldn't be able to take care of your work. Um, and uh, more specifically, these are diseases confined to the intestinal tract. So we have two subtypes. We have uh, ulcerative colitis, uh, which is inflammation of the large intestine, and we have Crohn's disease, which is inflammation of any part of the gastrointestinal tract from mouth to anus. For both diseases, we see these, this inflammation in the gut wall and ulcers, and therefore patients uh, have bleeding. Actually, we have more than 50,000 individuals living with these diseases in Denmark. Uh, there's a lot of taboo around the diseases, but probably most of you would know someone with IBD, maybe without knowing. We don't know why these diseases occur. Uh, it, it is probably an interplay between genetics and environmental factors, but due to a huge lack of pre-diagnostic information worldwide, we have not been able to pin out why the diseases uh, develop, and whether it's actually something that you're born with, that you have a, an altered inflammatory response when you're born, or whether it is something that develops during your childhood and young adulthood. Also, what we do know from epidemiological studies is that the cause of disease is very varying from patient to patient, and also within the same individual over time. So some would have like ongoing system, uh, symptoms most of their life. Some would have initial high activity, um, maybe need for surgery, and then the disease would be milder. Um, but when we have a newly diagnosed patient, we don't know which disease cause they will have. Therefore, our treatment is also very trial and error based. So some patients would benefit just from a drug called 5-ASA, which is like an aspirin. Uh, 
and others would need strong biological uh, drugs or even surgery. And if you undergo surgery, you may of course end up with a stoma or other solutions to the loss of the intestine. Patients do not only experience uh, gastrointestinal symptoms, many do also have uh, affection of skin, joints, eyes. Uh, they may experience thrombosis or even uh, colorectal cancer. And again, when we diagnose the patient, the, the individual patient, we have no clue as to which path this patient will take or what the optimal treatment would be. All the knowledge that we have right here on the right side of the panel uh, is related to uh, epidemiological... We have that knowledge from epidemiological studies, which we are very keen on doing in Denmark due to this gold mine of data that we have. Um, but the biology behind these findings remains completely, completely unknown. Hence, when we opened the Danish National Biobank 10 years back, uh, and I was involved in, in making the, uh, the biobank register that you may have heard of, where we can link uh, all our nice uh, dry data to the biological samples in the biobank, it occurred to me that, of course, we should try to use the samples that we had, both even from right after birth, the, the, the dried blood spots, and consecutive samples throughout life, uh, which are available both prior to IBD diagnosis and after IBD diagnosis on a number of Danish individuals. It would be completely unique if we could combine biology with the dry data to try to answer the question marks above. Uh, so the plan with uh, the center that I'm going to open soon is that we will use uh, Danish biobank samples, do a lot of omics analysis and create a unique data lake where we can combine all the biology to the dry data on disease occurrence and disease course. And to give you an idea of how we have used data in this field uh, until now, uh, I will present you for three of our uh, recent publications. Uh, these are three, we have 17 publications from our group this year, and these three are published in Gastroenterology and Gut and Lancet. Um, and I will go through them one by one just to give you an insight to the, the questions that we would like to answer. This one is on cancer risk in individuals that have been diagnosed with IBD already in childhood. There has been a concern that given that you have this chronic uh, inflammation in your body from early on in life, you may be at increased risk not only for uh, cancer in your gastrointestinal tract, but also uh, at increased risk for other kinds of cancer. And of course, it's very important, this is unique for Denmark and other Scandinavian countries, that we can do these population-based studies where we look at all patients with a given disease. So from the mildest to the most severe case, we see everyone. And therefore, the estimates that we get are generalizable. We can use them to inform patients. This is the average, average risk for, for, for example, cancer. Um, in this study, 
and I know that it's a little difficult to read um, the figures, but basically what we show is that if you focus on relative risk, so how many cases do we see among patients as compared to how many we would expect in, uh, in children of same age and gender. Then for a number of diseases, cancers, mostly those confined to the gastrointestinal tract, we see a double or a, a larger than double risk of cancer. And that is, of course, frightening for a young individual diagnosed with a, with a chronic disease and for their parents that they may have a doubling or more than that of, of cancer risk. But then, and this is what a lot of studies often forget, is to look into absolute numbers and what is the absolute risk. And this is what the panel uh, on, on your right hand shows, which is the, the actually actual percentage of proportion of patients that develop cancer. And what we can uh, dig out from that figure is that the doubling in risk actually only corresponds to one additional case of cancer per 1,000 patients followed for a year. So in absolute terms, it's limited, the risk. This is one of the things that we can do with the, with the Danish data. This is a whole other example where we have used uh, data to look into whether the fact that you immigrate from another country to Denmark, knowing that in Denmark we have a high risk of inflammatory bowel disease, but in other countries the risk may be much lower, especially in non-westernized countries. So what happens when you come from another country and move to Denmark? Is it because if it was your genetics that predisposed you to IBD, it wouldn't really matter whether you moved, but if it's environmental factors, of course that affects your risk then. Uh, and what we show here is that among first-generation immigrants, um, see, in native Danes, this is the reference. If you just look at results uh, on your right hand here, uh, the very last columns, yeah. If we use native Danes and the risk among native Danes as reference, we can see that among first-generation uh, immigrants overall, there is a reduced risk, a 0.74 uh, relative risk for um, developing IBD. Hence, you are at lower risk if you come from another country. But then we also show in more detail that the higher the risk is in the country that you come from, the higher the risk is as compared to Danes also. So if you come from a high incidence country, your risk is the same as in Danes. But these are all epidemiological data. Uh, the first author of the study is from Mount Sinai, New York. Um, and she, as many other researchers worldwide, find it really interesting that we will now be able in Denmark to combine all these epidemiological data with biological samples. So she will actually be moving to Denmark for a period of time to use the, um, uh, this omics approach that we are planning uh, and the data that we get from that to study this further and the biology behind this. And then the last example of a study that we've been doing, this is more in the pharmacoepidemiological uh, area, which means that we look into what the effect of given drugs are on, for example, disease course. Here, 
the question has been, if you treat with biologicals, which are really strong medications that modulate your immune response a lot, could that affect your risk of cancer? And especially in patients that have previously had some kind of cancer, would you dare to treat the IBD with a biological? Or would that increase the risk for reoccurrence of that cancer? That is, of course, a very important clinical question. Um, and what we see here is that, and again, if we go to the last column, um, and just look at any cancer, then when we compare uh, patients treated with biologicals with patients treated with other drug, drugs, but with the same severity of disease, uh, we actually we don't see an increased risk of cancer. If anything, it seems slightly decreased, but but confidence intervals uh, are quite bold. So the conclusion is it seems safe to treat patients with biologicals, even though they have had cancer before. Yes, and that is just getting back to the general cancer risk and the general inflammation question. Important knowledge because. If you have a patient with a high level of inflammation, you would like to keep the inflammation down to, uh, to avoid cancer in general. And if you know that this drug is actually very potent and safe, then that's a good way to do it. So um, to build up a center like this, and uh, to, to apply all these omics approaches, I think the first thing to acknowledge, and that really relates to the questions that I just had, is that no one can do this alone. You need to combine uh, all the right forces to do this uh, best. And therefore, the center will consist of uh, six partners together with me, and of course, all their PhDs and postdocs. Um, and together we cover everything from genetics, epigenetics, inflammation, microbiome, uh, to epidemiology, so the data part, uh, to the clinical part, we will also collect new clinical samples. Uh, and that is also very important, I think, when you work in these areas, always include clinicians, because all us very methodologically based people can have a tendency to just work together and, and forget the clinicians. But this is a clinical disease, so that's very important. And then we have uh, bioinformatics and statistics persons with expertise in that to compi combine all these data in a data lake that we can do analysis on. And of course, we also have uh, planned collaborations with a lot of international partners. As I said before, we we soon have a, a visitor from Montana, New York, but that's just one of many, many people who see the Danish or the Scandinavian uh, data and biobank resources as a gold mine that you wouldn't find anywhere else. And when you then, as we have decided on, uh, try to focus on a given uh, disease and combine these approaches for that given disease, then people interested in that disease from around the world, uh, of course, see um, an advantage in coming to the country and, and collaborating. And I think we should really uh, be aware of the potential that we have here. So more specifically, what, what kind of data do we then have to work with? 
Um, as I said, we are going to combine registry and cohort data, so dry data, uh, with biological samples in one combined data lake. Uh, we have more than 50,000 uh, individuals living with IBD in Denmark. And due to our personal identification number, we can combine all the resources that we may have on these individuals in the country. So we have neonatal blood spots on all Danes born from 1982 and onwards. On these, we can do uh, genetics, epigenetics, metabolomics, etc. We have data, so I have marked like, you can't see it from this, from the bottom of the slide, but in the bottom you would see IBD diagnosis. Because we are of course interested in what we can find prior to diagnosis and what we have after diagnosis. Um, so prior to diagnosis, we know how everyone is linked family-wise. So we have a national pedigree, which help us investigate how things are inherited. Um, we have national registries on infections. We have uh, national data on socioeconomic variables, but also other diseases and treatments that patients may have had prior to IBD diagnosis, which, for example, is relevant as treatment with antibiotics and the effect on the microbiome has been one um, factor that has been pinpointed as a risk factor for IBD. We have nationwide biodiversity data, which is a whole new field, but which could also link to, so the biodiversity in the area where you live could actually relate to your, the diversity of your microbiome. Um, we have uh, regional population-based data uh, from large, large uh, population investigation throughout the last 30 years uh, on, on diet habits in people. And then in addition to neonatal blood spots at birth, we also have a microbiome collected in general population studies in Denmark, which is quite unique if we can actually have the microbiome on patients years prior to the development of IBD. Um, and especially because a lot of these gen people from the general population have been re-examined so we might have on the same individual's microbiome, microbiome data both before and after diagnosis, so we could see the changes. Um, and then we have uh, serum samples in the Danish National Biobank in, and in regional cohorts where we can investigate, for example, if inflammation is present, um, if systemic inflammation is present already years prior to, to IBD diagnosis, or maybe even at birth. Then, once patients have been diagnosed with IBD, we are able to obtain uh, detailed phenotypic uh, characteristics on the patients from a number of um, national initiatives or regional initiatives. Uh, so there are a lot of regional cohort studies that have been conducted throughout the years in this field with clinical data. Um, we would have nationwide registry data on treatments and comorbidities, etc. So those are the ones that I've used for the studies that I just showed you. Um, and on prescriptions also. Uh, and then we have a special national ARCOCOP uh, <laughs> database uh, on, on everyone treated with biologicals with these diseases in Denmark. 
And last but not least, uh, in the Danish National Biobank, we have serum samples on more than 18,000 of these individuals after diagnosis uh, and repetitive samples on a number of patients. We have, uh, again, microbiome data from population studies and from IBD studies. Um, and then we have uh, nationwide lab data uh, on everything that we would be interested in uh, for the whole population. Hence, if we are able to combine all of this in one unique data lake, then we can do research in this field that no one has done before. And we can start answering the question marks from the first slide. Um, and again, in collaboration with a lot of nice people. And so the, the aim with my coming center of excellence is to try to understand the etiology behind IBD uh, much better than we do now. Maybe also to disrupt the, the current disease categories. Maybe it's way too simple to divide IBD into Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Could be a number of, of disease sub-entities that we don't know of yet that we could then characterize biologically. Uh, we hope to discover new drug targets, of course, to be even better uh, in treating these patients. Um, one thing that is very uh, important to me since many of my years as a researcher has uh, been used for studying the heterogeneity of these diseases, the varying cause from patient to patient, uh, if we could start understanding the biology behind this and the biology behind the varying response to treatment, then we could actually enable personalized medicine in this field. We would like to discover biological mechanisms shared with all the other uh, manifestations of disease that patients have. And then, of course, we hope that this will be a state-of-the-art model on how to use the Danish uh, biobanks and registers uh, to study complex diseases. Thank you. And thank you to 